Gridiron Growl Podcast from Chop Talk with your host, David Soderquist and Michael Pepper. Welcome, everyone, to episode number eight of the Gridiron Growl Podcast. This is none other than your boy, David Soderquist, along with lead writer from Chomp Talk, Michael Pfeffer. And on this episode, we have a special roundtable edition from Chomp Talk's amazing staff. We are going to be discussing every position group for the Florida Gators 2020 football team. Who are the defensive and offensive MVPs for each side of the football? And also our final predictions for the 2020 season as a whole. So, Mike, uh, it's going to be a very fun uh, edition of the Gridiron Growl podcast. Yeah, we've got a great show coming up. Uh, I'm excited about the college football season kicking off for the SEC next week. Uh, and then we've got this, you know, very special edition of the show. I'm, I'm really excited about it. Yes, we have. Uh, fortunately, Ansley Lee could not join us for this episode. She had other uh, endeavors to uh, get to. Uh, but we have Brian Fox Jr., Angel Wells, Peyton Titus, and obviously me, your boy, David Soderquist, and lead writer from Chomp Talk, good old Mikey Pfeffer. So, uh, really good roundtable edition coming up in the works, Mike. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's we all know 2020 has been a crazy year, especially for me on this side of the uh, spectrum over here. But uh, it's like I said, man, it's, it's good to get a nice little distraction to talk some Gator football, especially before the SEC-only schedule. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it's been a, you mentioned it's been a crazy year and, and trying to find distractions. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people have been kind of cooped up and, you know, not going out as much as, as they normally would this year. Um, and with that, a lot of people have tried to come up with creative ways to entertain themselves, you know, kind of broaden their horizons. And, you know, my family's no different. So my wife signed us up for an origami workshop. Are you familiar with origami, David? Yes, I am. Yeah. So here's the, here's the crazy thing about it. So uh, we went to this origami workshop. I was not necessarily excited about it, but you know, it's something to do. So we go and you'd never believe this. What's that? Dwayne Johnson. The rock was attending this origami workshop. And so here we are at this origami workshop. I'm kind of starstruck. You know, I, I love Dwayne's movies and, and uh, you know, he was a big superstar in the WWE. Well, we end up getting put at the same table with him and, you know, I'm trying to play it cool, but I misplaced the rocks, paper, scissors. Michael Pfeffer with the joke of the week. Oh, Mike. So, uh, it's a good time you got to meet The Rock, though. Uh, I'd love to meet The Rock, but uh, I think one of his arms is bigger than my whole body. So uh, I think he would kind of miss me out there. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I had a cold. I couldn't smell what he was cooking. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. A double dose of it here on the Gridiron Growl podcast. So, uh, uh, you know, uh, 2020 has been a crazy year, especially with virus going around. And, uh, you know, at least we're not like Mike Norvell right now with the coronavirus and uh, <laughs> allowing fans in their stands to not wear masks. So, uh, yeah, you, you know, I looked around the stadium, you know, from from the television, the safety of my couch, you know, but I was looking around the stadium and they're all bunched together. They weren't wearing a mask. So there's no social distancing taking place. And, and you know, 
you kind of had to see this coming, but you know, some good is coming from it. Now we have one more scientific discovery showing that glitter does not protect you from the COVID virus. Uh, neither does it uh, protect you from losing to Georgia Tech by three points. It certainly does not. <laughs> uh, uh, we shouldn't joke about that, though. It really is. A, uh, I hope yeah. he gets well. Uh, and I hope that the, uh, you know, that, that the virus isn't too serious for him. I really do. Right. Is uh, you know, we all like to joke football and, and make jabs at certain teams, but obviously the virus, obviously something serious, and hopefully he recovers. Uh, quarantine. Uh, most people, there's a good recovery rate from the coronavirus. Uh, so I expect Norvell to make a full recovery, and uh, you know, just had to throw a little kicker out there for us all and grit our growl. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, with that said, you know, we've got the uh, first week of the season just around the corner. Um. We've got this very special show with with uh, several members of the Chomp Talk cast uh, just lined up, ready to talk some football. Are you ready to go do it? Let's talk some football with the whole Chomp Talk staff here on the Gridiron Growl podcast. Welcome, everyone, to this special roundtable edition from Chomp Talk. Uh, joining us today are some of Chomp Talk's finest staff members and writers. We have the man in charge himself, Brian Fox Jr., We also have from the Bits and Pieces podcast from Chomp Talk, Peyton Titus and Ansley Lee. We also have the newest member of the Chomp Talk team, Angel Wells. And we will also have lead writer from Chomp Talk and from the Gridiron Growl podcast with me, your boy David Soderquist, Michael Pfeffer. So a uh, special roundtable edition headed your way from Chomp Talk. And we're going to be discussing every position group for the Florida Gators 2020 football team. Who are the defensive and offensive MVPs for each side of the football and also our final record predictions for the 2020 season as a whole. And speaking of 2020, man, uh, Brian, how are you holding up through 2020 so far, man? I'm here, man. It's a uh, good start. We're finally getting college football. There was a while where we debated whether or not that would ever happen. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, here we are. And um, I'm glad we're able to sit here and actually preview and talk about the college football season that's coming up starting next weekend. Yeah, I'm pretty pumped, man. Uh, already got some ACC games going here, especially uh, this weekend. Uh, two big key games, Georgia Tech versus UCF and Louisville versus Miami. So we got some ACC games to kick it off this weekend. Next weekend will obviously be the SEC-only schedule for all the SEC teams. And uh, starting off first, Florida versus Ole Miss. Uh, Florida's a 10.5-point favorite. And uh, a lot of people are jumping on the – yeah, you know, the Florida train just because of the talent and everything. But uh, of course, you got a, a new head coach, new year, Lane Kiffin, starting in a new year, and uh, John Plumley and a quarterback that was supposed to come to the University of Florida but flipped to Ole Miss, Matt Corral. So that'll be an interesting take of how Lane Kiffin wants to run that offense and who's going to start at starting quarterback. Yeah, I'm excited. I think um, you know I'm I'm ready for it. It's about time. I'm I'm ready to do this. Um, I think everybody here wants to do um, our predictions and expectations for what we're going to see from Gator football this year. So I think um, we'll just go position by position and that'll probably be the easiest way to, to make this happen. Um, quarterback position, quarterback play was something that we saw last year that was at a relatively high level, a higher level than we had seen since Tim Tebow left UF. Um, Angel, you want to go ahead and talk about, quarterback play and what we might see or what we could see or what we need to see from Kyle Trask in that UF offense. 
Yes. Yeah, so as you just said uh, last season, Kyle Trask, I think he finally offered everybody that's a Gator fan and like who lives in Gainesville some hope for the uh, Florida offense because quarterback has remained so up in the air since Tim Tebow. And I think Kyle Trask is finally the guy that we can all really believe in. And he honestly had a huge season last year. And, you know, everybody's saying, oh, is he going to be the Joe Burrow this season? But honestly, I don't even know if that's a fair comparison because Joe Burrow prior to 2019, he wasn't really that good. People didn't, you know, see him as a first round pick in the NFL, uh, let alone the number one pick overall in the NFL draft. Um, so, you know, Kyle, I think the expectations going into this season are going to be bigger for him. Um, people are just going to expect more of him. Like there were certain things that he did do last season that were errant um, as far as like getting rid of the ball and things like that. But I think um, this year, as long as he continues to, you know, limit turnovers and just continue to punch the ball into the red zone when it needs to be, like when we need to score and continues to drive the ball down the field. I think Florida is going to have a great year with him under center. Angel, obviously Dan Mullen has been using Emory Jones to offset some of the deficiencies in the running game from uh, Kyle Trask. Do you expect them to use him more, maybe less this year? Do you have any indication on, on what they might be doing with Emory Jones this year? I still think that they'll use him, um, how they've been using him like the past uh, few seasons with him under center. But I don't think Emery, I think he's more of like a, like a Taysom Hill type QB to me, like um, just taking direct snaps and stuff like that. Um, the only time I really saw him um, run plays that weren't necessarily all direct snaps was the Auburn game last season when Kyle went down in the first half. So um but I do expect Emory to definitely play and still reuse in the the run game as well. Awesome. Another position group that's um, under probably the most scrutiny this year uh, is the wide receiver group. They are losing five of their top six pass catchers last year. All five of them are on um, rosters in the NFL right now. And so that's that's a heavy void to fill. Michael, what is UF doing, or who do you expect UF to rely on this year heading into the season with all those guys not returning to the swamp? I think that uh, the the uh, eligibility waiver announced of, of uh, Justin Shorter is a big deal for Florida and the wide receiver group. But uh, ultimately, I think this is going to be the Trayvon Grimes and Shorter show this year. Um, another area where I'm excited to see what kind of production we get is Mullen, for the first time when talking about Kadarius Toney, has mentioned him as now an every-down type of player, which has always been his goal, getting him to that, that level uh, of understanding the offense and what he's supposed to do in the positions that they put him in. Um, we've seen bursts of Tony's talent, but there's a lot of uh, hesitation sometimes. He, he hesitates to take that north-south approach, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that from him. Uh, as far as the overall production, it's going to be a, a by-committee sort of thing. Um, but I, I really think it's going to be between Shorter and Grimes, and there's going to be a healthy dose of Copeland thrown in there as well. Now, looking at the offensive line, the Gators recently added a late transfer, uh, graduate transfer in Stuart Reese, um, who actually played under Dan Mullen for two years at Mississippi State. They the uh, obvious expectation is that he's going to jump right in. He's going to fill a huge void on that offensive line. Peyton, what are your thoughts along the offensive line, and what does Stuart Reese add to that 
Well, I think that, you know, the offensive line last season was young and didn't have a whole lot of experience. And so when you have a quarterback that's more like Kyle Trask likes to drop back in the pocket the way that he does, um, you need more cohesion and you need better chemistry in that offensive line to protect your quarterback. Um, Cause there were a lot of times where he felt kind of rushed or there were people coming up behind him that he couldn't see. Uh, so I think that this season coming in, the guys have more experience under the belt. They've got better chemistry. Uh, Kyle Pitts was talking in media the other day about um, the strides that the offensive line have made over the off season and in fall camp and how he's happy with the production that he's seen. Um, especially with the wide receiver core too, like we were talking about earlier, um, Xavier Henderson coming in and, uh, saw a redshirt sophomore I think now Trent Whitmore also showing good production so I think it's going to be a little bit easier to watch this year for sure now moving on to the defensive side of the ball we've got uh the defensive line has a lot of question marks another one that kind of saw a lot of attrition David I know you were kind of um optimistic about what they could put out this year you want to go ahead and talk about that uh, yeah, uh, like you said, we've lost uh, a lot of talent last year. Uh, Jabari Zuniga and uh, Jonathan Grenard, obviously going to the NFL, obvious good talents there. Uh, but you also, you're returning a ton of talent on this defensive line, especially with the addition to Brenton Cox being eligible. Wearing the number one jersey, uh, Dan Mullen, if you've listened to press conferences, he has said nothing but the best things about Brenton Cox. As well as, yeah, I mean, you got you're returning to Daryl Slayton. To Daryl Slayton, uh, obviously, shown some promise there when he was out on the field last year. And you also got the big man among men. If you look at him in photos, he overtowers just about everybody in the in the, in the Gators locker room. Zachary Carter. We saw flashes from Zachary Carter last year. Uh, and it, you know, got some interesting freshmen coming in too. You know, uh, you got redshirt freshman Andrew Chatfield. Uh, you got Lamar Goods. Uh, that. Uh, you know, very uh, Kentucky was after him. Uh, we were able to win a Florida Kentucky battle for Lamar Goods, and you got the beast from the East, Gervon Dexter. Uh, Gervon Dexter's a just a monster, uh, showing out in the uh, rivals camps and everything else. He's just a uh, uh, if if you ever watched him in the seven on sevens at Eddie Camps, and even even in that Under Armour game a little bit, man, he was getting double teamed a lot because not one person could hold on to this guy. So. Uh, you know, he he went from being a three star all the way up to a uh, number one in his position, five star. So, it'd be interesting to see what Gervon Dexter does as well. And then, you know, with the you know injury to Elijah Conliffe, who takes over there at nose tackle. Uh, you know, you got Kyrie Campbell's returning senior. You got and I said like Lamar Goods, uh, but. The defensive line is still loaded with a whole bunch of talent, and I don't think there's going to be a big drop off at L. And actually, it might even be even better this year than it was last year. Yeah, it sounds like along the defensive line there, we've got a lot of guys that have shown bursts and have shown timing. I've shown at times that they have that kind of uh, drive. And now it's about putting it all together. Now they've had they've, they've been able to watch more experienced guys succeed, learn from that, and now they have the chance to go out and prove it on an every down type of atmosphere. Right now, but there's a lot of other people that it'd be Chris Bogle, uh, Chris Bogle, a, a, a big talent that um, Alabama was after. We won him a flipped on National Signing Day to Florida from Alabama. You got so much top 100 talent, and and uh, it's just <laughs> these kids could have been five stars in high school if they wanted to. But 
I mean, anytime you've got a top 100 talent and anytime you've got proven talent like Zachary Carter and Daryl Slayton and, and uh, you know, Brenton Cox when he was at Georgia, uh, it, when you've got some veteran proven talent on that defensive line along with top 100 talent and with five-star talent behind them, it's uh, got a pretty loaded defensive line there, so I don't think there's going to be that big of a drop-off. Now, switching over to the secondary a little bit, the secondary appears to be as loaded as any position group on this roster. There's a lot of inexperience. There's a there's a lot of depth within that inexperience. Angel, do you want to talk a little bit about that position? Yes. So I think the most important pieces of the secondary heading into this season are definitely the corners. Um, Marco Wilson going into that uh, cornerback one role, along with Trey Dean having to step up as well uh, with the loss of C.J. Henderson um, being drafted to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, and just having to put up um, the numbers that CJ was uh, able to put up last year in the defense and, you know, just limit catches, uh, limit touchdowns, just like uh, CJ did last year. And I just think that he, like the secondary is just going to have to be uh, just as productive as it was last season. Yeah. You brought up Trey Dean and Trey Dean one of the most um, interesting people to look at in that secondary to me. Um, there were times when he did not play very well, um, but there were other times when he showed out great. What kind of role do you see him in this year? Because we see Kair Elam, who you know was one of the top freshmen in the entire country last year. Has Kair Elam jumped him for CB2, or is, is Trey Dean looking more at a star type of role? What do I you think, think we're looking at? I think both players could compete for the CB2 role, or you have – um, one of those corners be a nickel corner and come in as a, you know, a CB3 type role. I definitely think, obviously, Marco Wilson has CB1 locked down. Mind you, he posted uh, like three interceptions last season as well. So I think it'll definitely be a battle. Um, I'm more so worried about the CB2 role just because it's not as, you know, perfected as like CB1. So we'll see what happens there. Yeah, no, I, I can't disagree with any of that. The um, the Florida punter situation took on an interesting twist earlier this week. Dan Mullen was talking about how he didn't know yet that there hasn't been a clear-cut winner just yet. Um, does anybody have any input about what their thoughts are on Gators <laughs> punters? Uh, I would pick, if I had to pick between them, I would think Crenshaw would win would win the job uh but it's like i said we're not in these it sucks because we're not in these we're not in these scrimmages we don't know what's going on but uh if it were between if it was a a decision between me i would pick crenshaw anybody i agree with david right there that's almost exactly what i was going to say without actually being able to see them in practice and and see their individual talents uh it's really difficult for us to make a statement on which one has the upper hand in this competition is it at all concerning that Florida hasn't been able to get to a point where they have a, I don't know, P1? <laughs> yeah. It could be concerning, but it could also be viewed on the other side. Maybe it's a good thing where both are equally good and, and he's just having a hard time picking which one is, is really the best. Uh, we'll find out in just a few days, won't we? <laughs> right. I'm not at all. I'm not going to ask about the kicking game because that seems pretty Evan, – Evan pretty much has that locked up, so – not a whole lot to say about that, I don't think. He's as, as good a kicker as we've had here for a while. Um, they, the crowd's chanting Evan. They, we've forgotten Eddie, so I'm – Go ahead. Kicking lids off Gatorade bottles 50 yards away. 
Right. Yeah. That's, that's something I, man, I saw that. I swear. I thought that was fake. I was like, no, that didn't happen. <laughs> that's a cool trick though. It is. It is. <laughs> um, so let's go ahead and get into some of our predictions for the year. Um, basically, I just want to hear who do you think is going to take, in this case, we're going to start with the offensive MVP. Um, why? And then, you know, if anybody has anybody else, we'll go ahead and get that as well. So, Angel, I want to start with you. Who do you have for the offensive MVP of this team? For offensive MVP of the 2024 Gators, I have Kyle Pitts, the tight end. And I just think that Kyle is just going to take an even bigger leap than he did last year in 2019. Um, Kyle is a first uh, is a future uh, first-round NFL draft pick. Um, he was first-team All-SEC, and he's arguably amongst the um, – no, he's amongst the top three tight ends in the nation and arguably the number one tight end in the nation. And I just definitely see him having a huge pass-catching role in this offense this year with Kyle Trask. I, I would agree with that. I think Kyle Pitts is a great pick. Um, definitely a, a mismatch for just about anybody that goes up against him. Um, however – I'm going to say Kyle Trask just because he's going to be in on every play. Uh, he's going to have quite a few weapons to, to deliver the ball to, and the accumulation of stats just from that aspect I think is going to push him over the edge in that that regard. Yeah, I've kind of thought in a, a similar sense, except that I thought that Kyle Pitts is going to be such an attention drawer that he's going to, he's going to draw so much attention that it's going to free up guys like – who I picked, Trayvon Grimes. I think Grimes is going to go wild this year, and I'm excited for it. Um, I look for – I think the seeing Justin Shorter get his waiver is only going to make Grimes that much more dangerous. Um, that's my thought on it. Yeah, I mean, personally, uh, we were talking about all the position groups, and uh, <laughs> Mike knows he it's, it's a very boring position group that a lot of people don't talk about. And uh, I, I like to talk a little bit about special teams because uh, I feel like sometimes special teams can change the outcome of a game, especially a close game. And so with with all of that being said, uh, my pick is going to be Kadarius Tony because I think this is his last year, too. This is last one of his last years to show out. Now he's get to, he gets an extra year of eligibility, but – as bad as these kids want to go to the NFL, they really want to show out to to get to the next level. So I think Kadarius Tony takes that extra step. Dan Mullen, he, as he said, he's been an all around, uh, just an all around athlete, all around receiver, and I think he gets some uh, kick returns on special teams as well this year. So my pick's going to be Kadarius Tony. Hey, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with Michael and go with Kyle Trash for offensive MVP. I think that now that he has a whole season or almost a whole season of um, collegiate football under his belt, um, he's going to perform even better than he did last year. And I think that between all the attention that he garnered last season, you know, with his amazing story, talking about how he hasn't started a game since like high school and then he comes into the one of the biggest football schools in the country and like takes care of business and posts the best quarterback numbers since Tim Tebow like now he's gonna have so much more confidence going into this season where it is all SEC play no cupcake games so every week is a big week um I also think that um the guys, you know, like in the quarterback position, you have to have so much leadership. You have to really command your respect. And so I think that um, with everything that's been going on lately, too, he's been able to do that more and kind of find his voice more. We've seen 
he's not a super outspoken guy as people have been able to see like in media and just in general but in this off season you know he's taken charge of um creating dialogue with his teammates and stuff over the black lives matter movement and um posting the we want to play stuff with covid so kind of taking charge there and and sticking up for his teammates so i think between all of that and then also i believe he took off like 15 or 20 pounds over the off season um all of that put together i think is really going to push his performance over the top and it's it's hard to argue against kyle trask in any way we've all seen the workout videos we've seen him working on his footwork um the only thing i would say is i mean i've been tricked by video before <laughs> Uh, the, the quarterback that's going to be coming back to the Swamp had some really incredible passes in some of these workout videos. And, yeah, I, I fell for it uh, sometimes. But, <laughs> anyway, sticking with the offensive side of the ball, let's move on to um, the breakout player of 2020. Um, Angel, do you have a thought on that, on the offensive side of the ball? So the two players that I actually jotted down for breakout player were Kyle Trask or Justin Shorter. Um oh. Basically, as to what was uh, Peyton was saying, um, I just feel like Kyle, um, with all like the weapons that he has this season and all the work that he's put in the offseason, and now he's been way more vocal, I just feel like Kyle just has a super, just a much larger role in, on this team and on this offense. And I, I really do think that, I know the Joe Burrow comparison again, I don't think it's fair, but I, I truly do think that he could put up big numbers like Joe Burrow did last season. And some people even have Kyle as um, a potential Heisman Trophy winner. Um, see, I love Kyle Trask. I don't know all about a uh, Heisman Trophy winner right now. So we'll just have to see as the uh, season progresses. But um, him and Justin Shorter, um, you know, getting that uh, eligibility waiver from Penn State, I just think that, he, along with Trayvon Grimes, are just going to have – be a huge tandem in this offense and that he's definitely going to um, help this uh, wide receiving corps out this season. Uh, Peyton, what do you think? Yeah, I think uh, Justin Shorter will be a really big addition this year because he didn't really get a whole lot of um, action, I guess you'd say, from Penn State, but I do think that – um, coming here, you know, he's filling a spot that's really um, very much a need for the Gators. And I think between him and uh, Xavier Henderson, I've heard really good things about and uh, Jacob Copeland as well. So I think these guys, you know, they've been putting in work during camp um, and they know that the positions that they're in are influential ones and really important ones. And so I think that they will be um, our breakout players this season. David, what is your thought on the subject? Uh, it's tough, man. So many weapons on the offense. That, uh, but, I mean, I think the obvious pick would be, uh, we were just discussing before, I think the obvious pick is going to be Kyle Pitts. I mean, Kyle Pitts is just you know, replicating the production he had last year. I mean, uh, he's it's going to be better this year. Uh, I think Kyle Trask could be way better. Uh, and he's probably going to climb the ranks of uh, the NFL draft. So, uh, I see Kyle Trask, or Kyle Trask and a lot of passes to Kyle Pitts and uh, probably being a first rounder this year. So I'm going to go ahead and pick Kyle Pitts, man. Uh, I, I have to agree with uh, Angel and Peyton on that. Uh, I think it's going to be actually Justin Shorter. Um, he, he's just got the big body, the speed, the sure hands, and the uh, the leadership. He's going to you know get the he, he's going to make himself be in the right place at the right time. And I think that from a breakout perspective, he, he may not have the 
best overall performance, but for the breakout perspective, I think Justin Shorter is going to turn some heads this season. Yeah. I gotta say for me, and it was kind of odd to take this after uh, listening to David's uh, MVP of the year. I took Kadarius Tony. Uh, my thought with Tony was I want to see him used more. Uh, he, he only got to play. He only caught 10 passes last year. He got a little less than 200 yards. Um, he only had 12 rushing attempts last year. So if we can see him get the ball more and more, we can start to see what we had all hoped for as he turns into maybe Percy Harvin 2.0. And I think that's going to be important to watch that happen. If that evolution starts to take place, this offense is going to be even more dynamic. And guys like Justin Shorter and guys like um, Trayvon Grimes are just going to become even more explosive. Um, but that's who I took. Just I, I, I Not that – Nobody doubts that he has the talent, but man, I'd like to see it on the field. <laughs> um, I'd like to see him play all 10 games. Um, switching things up to the defensive side of the ball. Michael, who do you have for your defensive MVP this year? <laughs> I'm going with Brenton Cox. Uh, you know, he's, he's sat out a full year, but he has done incredible things by all accounts in practice. He's got a, a just solid skill set, and I'm looking for him to be a dominant presence along the front of, of that defense this year. Yeah. David, what are your thoughts? I'm going to go with Zachary Carter. Uh, Zachary Carter, uh, obviously last year when he was put on the defensive line, flashed his abilities uh, and uh, took a lot of people's heads off in the process. So, uh, uh, And he's looking beefed up, man. He's uh, probably the biggest player on the team. So I'm going to go ahead and pick Zachary Carter. Angel. I'm going to go with Marco Wilson. Um, you know, I really think that he's going to mold himself into that cornerback one role and really step up in the secondary. And I just, I really see him uh, flashing and hopefully making himself potentially a first round draft pick in the NFL as uh, CJ Henderson was able to do last season. Peyton? I'm going with Michael again. I think Brenton Cox will be um, our defensive MVP this season because I think last year, you know, he was really wanting to play for Florida and you know you could tell that he was not pleased about not being able to play against uh, Georgia last year and so I think between that and then him being picked to wear the number one jersey this season shows he's got really good leadership qualities and that the rest of the team respects him and so I think that if you can get everybody to rally behind you like that with ever even having stepped foot on the field yet with the squad I think that that's gonna make something really special this season. Yeah, and it's, it's hard to argue with that. I went with Kair Elam. Uh, my thought is everybody knows what Marco Wilson is capable of and that he can be one of the top defensive backs in the SEC, which is going to make more more people target Kair Elam in the passing game, and it's going to give him opportunities to come up with numerous interceptions if he, if he, so, if is, if he is able to. Um. Yeah, so that's my thought. Um, as far as defensive breakout player, who do you got, David? Defensive breakout player. That's that's a tough one because the defense is pretty loaded. But I'm going to go ahead and pick Trey Dean. I think Trey Dean's got something to prove this year. Uh, obviously, the uh, year before wasn't didn't go as well for him. But uh, you saw some good potential in that first year that he was out there. Uh, had a couple interceptions in that uh, LSU game and uh, had some big had some pretty big plays. Uh, the year before as well. I think uh, it's more of a confidence thing with Trey Dean and then uh, with uh, the current pictures you've seen, he's blown up. 
And uh, he's even said that, you know, uh, he, he's starting to be more disciplined now and, and not be as, I guess you would say, arrogant or anything like that. So I think my breakout player for this year will be trading. Peyton, who's your breakout player for this year? Yeah, I would go with uh, trading too. Like David said, um, in media the other day, Ron English was talking specifically about trading's confidence and his development as a player over the offseason and how before he was a little bit arrogant and how that arrogance kind of, you know, when, when you're not confident and you're arrogant, then you miss more and you're more frustrated and it's not as easy for you to kind of improve as a player. And so him talking about that and him praising his growth on and off the field, I feel like he's going to um, be it more productive this season than last year. So I'd say he'd be our breakout player on the defensive side of the ball. Michael, who's your breakout player for this year? I actually have two. Uh, I'm going with Marco Wilson because even though we know what Marco is capable of, after his injury last season, he didn't show quite as strong as he did in his freshman campaign. Uh, and I think that being left off of a couple of the watch lists and knowing that he didn't perform at the top of his abilities last season, he's coming into this with a chip on his shoulder. And I think we're going to see a Marco Wilson that more resembles what we saw his freshman year, uh, but but a little bit elevated even above that, uh, focused and, and just determined to, to show out on the field this year. My other defensive breakout is Mahmoud Diabate. Uh, he's got the size and the aggression that I like to see in that position. He's a smart player, and uh, I'm just excited to see what he can do this season. We saw some flashes last season, uh, particularly in that Vanderbilt game, he kind of introduced himself to the SEC. Uh, I'm looking for a lot more of that this year. Angel, what are your thoughts? And you can pick up to three people since Michael can have multiple too. <laughs> um, mine is actually a player that nobody has mentioned today. It's actually linebacker Ventrell Miller. I think that <laughs> Ventrell Miller is just going to be a stud this season. He um, So far, he's dropped 15 pounds to improve his mobility. I feel like he's going to mold himself into that leadership role, especially with uh, David Reese, um, you know, graduating from the University of Florida last season. So he really has to step into that role. And he was already voted uh, preseason second team all SEC. And I just think that um, he's just really going to be great um, at the linebacker position this season. Right. And Miller's one of those guys that they really need to stand up. He's going to be tasked with repl with replacing David Reese, who was an elite level run run defender. So yeah, no, I agree. I actually initially I had Trey Dean when everybody was saying Trey Dean. I was like, no, 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 Ventrell, that's cool too. All right. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm not thinking right now, so I'm not even going to come up with a third. But I'm good with all those. <laughs> um, so lastly, before we get everybody out of here, um, let's just talk about what's your projected win loss record. Who do you think Florida loses to in those projections and why? And we'll start with David. Okay, so I have my uh, projected uh, record as uh, I think they lose one game. Uh, I think they win the rest of the SEC East, but I think that their game that they may lose is Texas A&M. And the, the reason I picked Texas A&M is because uh, you have Jimbo Fisher go, you know, a proven head coach, obviously, when he was at Florida State. Uh, you have a returning quarterback in Kellen Mond, and there's a ton of talent on that Texas A&M team, and uh, they're having to travel for that game. 
Uh, but it is a game that they can make a statement on as well. So if they win that game, uh, who knows what the season? Who who knows how the season could shake out? But if there was any kind of loss on this year, I would pick Texas A and M. And you know LSU, they're losing a lot of talent. I, I don't think Florida struggles with LSU. I don't think a lot of teams struggle with LSU now with just everything that they've lost. LSU does have a ton of talent that they recruit, but I just think it's too much to overcome. Uh, especially with them starting a new quarterback in, in Georgia. Uh, we don't know what Georgia is going to look like down the road. Uh, the, the, the quarterback the quarterback situation over there at Georgia is, is not good. Uh, but you never, you never know. You have to go – you have to look through the whole season when you go through Georgia. But I think just about every other opponent on Florida's schedule, I think they have enough talent and a good offensive-minded head coach to – Beat the rest of that talent on the team, barring there's no crazy turnovers or anything of that sort. But, uh, yeah, if I was to pick one loss, if uh, we weren't to go undefeated, I would pick Texas A&M just because of what I just mentioned. you got an experienced starting quarterback in Jimbo Fisher. Every other team's kind of, uh, you know, LSU's kind of struggling a little bit with with the staff, and uh, Georgia doesn't know who their head, you know, starting, starting quarterback's going to be. But everybody else, Florida has the talent to beat everybody else on the schedule, so... I would predict a SEC East win. And, uh, yeah, uh, I don't know who they're going to play in the SEC West. I'm assuming it would be Alabama. But, yeah, I predict a one loss. All right. Angel, what about you? So, <laughs> my ceiling for the Gators is 10-0. and 0. Hopefully that fares out. My floor for them is 8-2, and 2, but I agree with David. I have the Gators going 9-1 and 1 as well. Um not a loss coming to Texas A&M, but I do have a loss coming to Georgia. And it's mainly because Florida, it just it seems like Georgia has just had Florida's number the past few seasons. And even last season, I thought Florida was the way more talented team. And I was at that game in Jacksonville and I was just very disappointed of the outcome of that game. And, um, you know, even like Jake Fromm was under center. And I'm just like, like, I just, I really thought Florida should have won that game. So I don't know until me, I'm a, I have to see it to believe it. And until Florida proves that they can beat Georgia, I can't really go out and say that they're going to win that game. And I don't see an LSU loss either because Florida, I mean, even though it was 17,000 fans, it's a home game. Um, like David mentioned, they LSU lost tons of talent to the NFL draft. Um, so I don't see that being a problematic game, but I do have them losing to Georgia on November 7th. Michael, what's your thoughts? Okay, I'm going to reluctantly say 9-1, and one, uh, and it's reluctant because I believe this team has the talent and the schedule to go 10-0. and 0. Um, However, with everything that's gone on this season, you know, contact tracing and all that, you never know what's going to end up happening as the season progresses. Uh, and if we do lose a game, I, I have Georgia as the team that we lose to, although I legitimately believe that Florida defeats them this year. Um, even without having a sure starting quarterback right now, Georgia's roster is still loaded with four- and five-star talent, and uh, they've just got all the weapons to, to compete with Florida, even with a lesser quarterback. Uh, we were talking earlier before the show, and, and you mentioned that you know one of us could probably play quarterback for Georgia right now with all the weapons they've got around them and still have some level of success. And while that's a joke, I, I kind of believe that to be true. So I'm, I'm going 9-1. and one. I really believe that this team could very well go 10-0. and 0. Peyton, what's your record for the year? I'm thinking um, – 
probably eight and two or nine and one. I do agree with everyone in that this team has the talent to go ten and zero, but um, you know Georgia and LSU. I feel like are games that like I feel like Florida and LSU. They they that rivalry is like you know there's talent on both sides, and I do know that they've kind of lost a lot of production to the NFL and everything. And Georgia also has some question marks with the quarterback position, like everybody said, but I do think that those are two teams where like, no matter how good either team is, it can always go like the unexpected way, if that makes sense. Um, So I think that one of those, if not both of those could be a loss. And then I also do agree with David in um, that Texas A&M could also pose a problem with uh, Kellen Mond, who I feel like last year he was, relatively inconsistent and played way better when he was at home um statistically like I think there were numbers that said his winning percentage at home was like miles above his winning percentage when he had to travel somewhere so even though this season is so like crazy with um stadium capacities and I don't know how much exactly a home field advantage is going to influence anyone but I do think that those are the three teams that could pose problems for Florida. And I don't think that losing all three of those is likely, but I do think that losing one to two of those is very much a possibility. And I completely agree. So I wanted to, I want to say, no, 10 to no, this is the most favorable schedule that Florida has had maybe ever. <laughs> um, even with it being a 10 game all conference schedule, man, it, it just worked out right. Georgia lost their quarterback. They lost all kinds of, players and talent to the NFL LSU lost everybody I don't know how they're fielding a team actually um it just it looked like this was the time um I can't do it I want to go nine and one but I have no reason to believe that Georgia that Florida is going to beat Georgia to me that's the game that I feel like is going to be one in the trenches and there's a lot of five stars on one of those teams and not a lot on one of those other teams um then I, I Florida in the last decade maybe less than that even um it just seems to lose a game where you're like what um Kentucky two years ago you guys know the story um I don't know I think they're gonna lose I think eight and two is what I'm going with and I'm deciding between Texas A&M LSU or Arkansas and I know all of you kind of gasping at Arkansas there um there's something to the idea of Felipe Franks coming to Florida field and silencing the no crowd that's there (laughs) um, by putting up incredible numbers. And I I just, that's like a fear of mine. I'm actually having nightmares and (laughs) visualizing it, Um, but I could totally see it happening. Again, I, I definitely think we're losing to Georgia. I hope I'm wrong. I think we have the talent to compete with them. I think we've seen that the last couple of years. I do think that they lose one other game, and I'm, I wish I had an answer as to who it would be against. I think we're. I think Florida is a better team than Texas A&M. Is a better team than LSU. Is a much better team than Arkansas. <laughs> but that's kind of where I see it. So I like I said, I, I've got eight and two, and I, I don't think that's a bad year. I don't think it's going to win the East, but I guess we'll see, right? I, I didn't even think about the uh, Felipe Franks coming back to Florida. <laughs> and if there's one guy in the SEC that you don't want to piss off and have him come back, 
that's the guy. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking forward to how that's going to pan out. But I agree with what you said too, Brian. And mind you, you know, Georgia lost to South Carolina the week before. Everybody's like, oh, we're going to beat Georgia. And then we still couldn't beat Georgia. So that's why, like, my hopes for that game are just really not there yet. So That's exactly how I feel. <laughs> and it's funny because college football, you knew Georgia was maybe going to lose one or two games. Yeah. And everybody, they lost to LSU or to South Carolina literally the week before. And I was like, no, that's not good. <laughs> yeah. they're, they're bound to win their next game. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> that's not how things work in college football. It's that's not true. a momentum thing like that. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Right. And, and now, an- hey, guys, thanks a lot for coming on, coming and talking about Gator football, it's always fun. Uh, we've got to do this more times. I like this. It's fun. Um, I don't even care if we're recording for anything. It's just cool to come on and talk, talk some football. So. Awesome. Thank you for having me. In all yeah, the- thank you for having us. Absolutely. And we'll all be in touch over the course of the next week or so. So. Right, yeah, uh, it's, it's been a tough 2020 for me. So uh, it was great to get on with you guys and drag my mind a little bit and talk some Gator football. Hey, thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, y'all. You want to rock out this football season? Check out the band Felicity on Spotify, Apple Music, the iTunes Store, Amazon Music, YouTube, Pandora, and other music platforms. Also check them out on Twitter at WeAreFelicity. Felicity, rocking out the state of Florida since 2014. The Gridiron Growl Podcast and Chomp Talk would like to thank the staff at the Tower Square UPS store in Gainesville for their sponsorship of ChompTalk.com. For all your printing and shipping needs, make sure to check out the UPS store in Tower Square. And that was all of us here at Chomp Talk discussing the 2020 season, some of the MVPs, the defense, the offense, and a whole whole bunch of other tidbits. And, uh, there were some interesting, uh, interesting MVPs brought up there. Uh, there was... Uh, Somebody mentioned Ventral Miller. I can't remember who mentioned Ventral Miller, but uh, it was Brian. It was Brian. Yeah, that, that, exactly. That was Brian. Um, not a lot of people talking about Ventral Miller at that linebacker position, but uh, if you if you've watched, he's he's shown he's shown that he can play that linebacker position full time for the Gators and uh, with his experience as well. But you know, uh, before we actually got going with with the roundtable discussion. Uh, Brian was mentioning, you know, who's going to step in and and match that run defense production that we lose when when David Reese uh, graduated. Yep. And my answer to that, it, you know, it's absolutely Ventrell Miller, and and I also pair Mahmoud Diabati with that. Uh, I think that tandem is going to be crucial in in reproducing those numbers against the run that we saw last season. Right. Obviously, Mohamed Diabate, uh, he. Doesn't have the size Ventro Miller does, but he definitely has that speed off the line, that hard hitting ability, and uh, just knows where to look for uh, you know in any of these kind of trick plays. Knows where to spot the football, where whether it's with the running back or the quarterback. And uh, like I've said before, you've seen some really good flashes from him in the Vanderbilt game last year. Uh, actually, with a sack fumble for uh, uh, returned for a uh, touchdown by Jonathan Grenard. So. You know, that'll be interesting to see the linebacker position. I'm also very, very curious about who really does break out in that wide receiver room because there's, once again, this year loaded with a bunch of talent. Uh, it's really hard to pick somebody in that wide receiver room to, to be that explosive player because there's just so much explosiveness on that offense. Yeah, it's another situation kind of like last season where uh, a lot of the the national media – kind of overlooks that room you know they they're like well who do they have 
And those of us who are more familiar with the program and internally, uh, you know, we, we see that they have <clears throat> every bit the depth that they had. Now, sure, we lost a lot of production. You know, we, Freddie Swain, Josh Hammond, you know, Tyree Cleveland, and of course, Van Jefferson. But you bring back Trayvon Grimes, Jacob Copeland, who had a limited role last season, but it's going to be expanded this year. Uh, Kadarius Tony, who is apparently over the, the off season and, and throughout the fall camp really set up as a uh, every down type of player, which has been Dan Mullen's goal for him since he got here. Um, and then of course, Justin Shorter, you know, that's, that can't be understated enough. The amount of uh, talent that we now have and, and depth because of his waiver and, uh, you know, that's even overlooking guys like Xavier Henderson and, and Jaquavian Frazier's, uh, who has both of them have received high praise all throughout fall camp as well. Right. You mentioned uh, the younger the younger talents there, Jaquavian Frazier's. And, uh, you know, you got the young kids. And I mentioned on, you know, earlier on in the uh, the, the in the round table. We uh we were mentioning the uh, I mentioned special teams a little bit uh you know they usually don't like to stick the main players back there returning kicks uh unless if they're like in a special like a Kadarius Tony role where he can do just pretty much anything uh, he's a freakish athlete out there but um it'll be interesting to see how where they put these kids on special teams I know they you like to use a lot of utilize a lot of the young talent there not sacrificing much of a uh, veteran getting hurt returning a kick but. Uh, I'm very interested to see what's going on in special teams. I know it wasn't mentioned a lot when we were talking, but uh, you, you mentioned those two names, and uh, you know you got Jamarcus Weston as well. Does uh, does he play a role this year in the wide receiver room? Just so much talent on uh, the wide receiver room, and uh, you know we also mentioned running back a little bit. Uh, you know you're returning Damian Pierce and uh, Malik Davis, and uh, where where does Malik Davis go? Uh, he's he's mentioned that he's going to remind everybody of who Malik Davis is, which is, I'd love to hear that. And, you know, obviously injured the year before, didn't really, uh, obviously injured from 2017, 2018, didn't really get to play that much in 2019. So now that LaMichael Pirine is gone, you have Damian Pierce, who I'm assuming is going to start at running back number one. And I believe Malik Davis will probably back him up at number two. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, I think that that's a, a fair assessment of how that'll play out. And, you know, uh, the thing is with the running back rotation and the way that Dan Mullen does it, we can talk about RB1 and RB2, but that's not really the way it works out. It's it's really just more of a, hey, you're going to get some reps and you're going to get some reps and we're just going to keep rotating you through, making sure you've got fresh legs. Uh, and I think that we'll see a, a pretty even dispersion there with uh, Malik Davis with Damian Pearson, and I think that we will see some Lorenzo Lingard as well. So uh, I look forward to seeing Malik back in his old form and, and hopefully even better than what we remember. Right, yeah. It's like if he can replicate any of that 2017 uh, production there, that's going to be huge for the Florida Gators. And you mentioned Lorenzo Lingard too. Uh, that's 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 a talent that you do want there on the field doing something, and you know maybe they stick him out on a couple of kick returns or punt returns or something like that. So you obviously need somebody sure-handed and catching the ball when he's back there. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how they use Lorenzo Lingard as well. Uh, I know he's been hurt. He hasn't been with the team. He was obviously a transfer from Miami, so this is his first year being with the team and learning the offense and everything like that. So 
like I said, it'd be interesting to see how they use uh, Lorenzo Lingard, Malik Davis, and, uh, it, obviously David Pierce. I, I predict him to be number one. And think about Naquan Wright and uh, Iverson Clement as well. Uh, did, did they did they get Iverson Clement in an expanding uh, running back catching role? Uh, do they get Naquan Wright out there? Uh, you know, you've got so many running backs in this running back room that uh, have a lot of potential. And uh, you know, be interesting to see who takes that number two spot. Uh, I'm going to predict Malik Davis, but uh, I don't think that you keep Lorenzo Lingard off the off the field this year, especially with the extra year of eligibility. No, definitely not. Um, and you know, you mentioned Naquan Wright and, and uh, Iverson Clement and. Those guys definitely have the talent. You definitely want to get the ball in the playmaker's hands, you know, regardless of where they sit in the depth chart. You know, you saw it with uh, with Kadarius Tony over the last couple seasons. While he didn't touch the ball very often, they still found ways to get him out on the field, even though he wasn't exactly where they wanted him as far as his development and, and progression. Uh, you can't take away the fact that he's an explosive player. He's a playmaker. And the same thing is going to go with guys like Lorenzo Lingard. Uh, I know they want him to know the playbook a little bit better than what he does right now. But with, with that kind of talent, you're going to find ways to incorporate them into the scheme. Right. And, uh, another another position we didn't really get into uh, in the uh, roundtable was the tight end. Uh, you know, everybody picked Kyle Pitts as the MVP or most valuable player. Uh, that's obvious. That's a, a very good obvious pick. I would pick that as well. Uh, but who, you know who's backing up Kyle Pitts? You got uh, Kamori Gamble, a uh, sophomore that's that's returning as well. Uh, Dante Lang moved to defense, so he's not at tight end anymore. And you got the Lakeland boy, the uh, number one tight end in the class, Keon Zipperer. How does he make his way into the offense this year? If he does. Uh, so like I said, though, you're you're going to want Kyle Pitts on every down out there. But it'll be interesting to see if maybe Dan Mullen utilizes some of Kamori Gamble or Keon Zipperer's talents and puts them in some trick plays or something like that. Yeah, you know, I, I think that obviously the star is going to be Pitts, you know, regardless of of the situation. You, you're going to want him on the field because he's a mismatch in, in almost every situation. Um, Keon Zipperer, uh, I think he still has a little bit of development to work through, but I think we could see him uh, probably more in a, a pass protection capacity. Um, and Kamori Gamble is, is a guy who I like, who's really developed his, his game a little bit. And, and uh, he, he's kind of watched what, what's taken place in front of him. And uh, he's trying to match that effort. Yeah, and he's, he's been on that squad for a while. So he, he, he knows what offense to running, how they like to run the offense. So it'll be interesting to see with Kamori Gamble's experience how he plays a role in this office, just in case something was to happen to Kyle Pitts or, uh, or or something like that. Maybe if Kyle Pitts got injured for a game or injured for a half, let's let's hope he don't get injured for the year. God forbid. Yeah, God forbid. Um, yeah, you, you, it's like I said, you got Kamora Gamble and Keon Zipper. So, uh, you know, it would be interesting to see uh, who who in that tight end room has, has gotten a grasp of the offense and uh, can be very productive for us and uh, – you know, speaking of speaking of the offense, we got a little bit into the offensive line as well. We didn't we didn't really really get to the offensive line. We kind of did as well. We gave some offensive line predictions, but uh, you know, uh, <laughs> Ethan White's a big name that a lot of people are uh, mentioning on the offensive line. But you know, you got a lot of returning uh, juniors and everything on this offensive line. You got Brett Heggie. You know, uh, he, he's a, he's going to have to step up and be a leader for that offensive line. He's been there for a while, and you got Gene Delance, uh, number fifty six as well. And uh, 
you know, you, you got these big, big offensive linemen like Joshua Braun uh, that I'm excited for. And uh, you got Michael Tarquin coming in as well. And it, it, it's just some of these people like Stone Forsyth, it, it, obviously, you know, Stuart Reese coming in, he's, he's going to be a big factor on that offensive line as well, uh, transferring from Mississippi State. Uh, you know, the only reason it was hard for me to pick a running back as one of the offensive MVPs or players because I'm still worried about this offensive line. I, I'm curious to see uh, if the, how well they mesh this year. Uh, I do think they improve. Like, they can't get any worse from last year. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what John Hevesy has done in that uh, offensive lineman room this year. Yeah, uh, you know, Brian mentioned that he thought that the offensive line would be a strength this year. Uh, I'm, I'm probably a little hesitant to say that, uh, but I do think that it's going to be a much improved unit. Just the fact that they've got a year under their belts playing together. They've got familiarity with the system, with each other. They know the calls that need to be made. What I'm really looking for this season is that aggressive play style that has to take place when you're along the offensive line. Um, you know, the, the addition of Stuart Reese brings in great size and strength as well as a lot of experience. Uh, that was a, a huge pickup for Dan Mullen. Um, and then you've got, you know, all the guys that you just mentioned. Uh, you know, you're right. Ethan White has been mentioned quite a bit. I know I've talked about him a, a bit here. But Ethan White, uh, as promising as he could be, he's not even the one that we really need to be focusing on right now. We've got these guys who have been in the program. You know, you've got your Gene Delance, your your Brett Heggies, and and you know all these guys. And and what I want to see from them that next step forward is taking that knowledge and applying it with a mean streak. You know, just pushing people off the line. And that's that's what the running game was missing last season. They just they almost played with uncertainty when it came to the running game. Right. You got to have a leader in that offensive line group as well. And, uh, you know, we mentioned some of the younger guys. We forgot, to, I almost forgot to mention Richard Garage, uh, you know, a top 100 offensive lineman uh, being, uh, you know, coming into his redshirt freshman year. And uh, it's, it'd be interesting to see, you know, uh, like I said, the, the, how they mesh well. Like you said last year, they were good in pass protection. Not so good in run blocking. I think there was a lot of uh, struggles there. A lot of, a lot of, you know, getting used to everything as well. But somebody's going to have to step up. Some of those uh, juniors on the uh, offensive line, like Brett Heggie and uh, you know Gene Delance, they're really going to have to step up and, and be sort of a leader. But uh, if we're going to shifting from the offensive line, uh, you know, we're go completely opposite here. The defensive line. We we mentioned a lot of key players on this defensive line. Uh, one of them being Brenton Cox, number one. Uh, Brenton Cox, uh, really haven't gotten to see him in gameplay except for when he was at Georgia. But, uh, you know, uh, transfers from Georgia, sits his year out, comes back to Florida. And Dan Mullen, uh, ranting and raving about Brenton Cox in, in, in some of these scrimmages and in, in these press conferences. So, you know, does he step up? Is he that leader? Does he, you know, get these people like Zachary Carter and Daryl Slate, just this talented, loaded defensive line that they have? Uh, you know, it, does he step up? Uh, is is the defensive line a lot better than it even was last year? There, there, there's a lot of talent here, a ton of talent, and I, I think the defensive line actually does not have a drop off this year. What do you think, Mike? No, I think that there's absolutely the potential that they play just as good, if not even better than than last year. Uh, I know that a lot of people may 
you know, kind of scoff at that when you look at the production of Jonathan Grenard and Jabari Zuniga, uh, even to some extent, Adam Schuler, he didn't necessarily have the numbers, but he was a presence there in the middle of the line that certainly, uh, helped the numbers on the outside of the line. Um, but yeah, we've got, you know, guys like Zach Carter, we got the, you know, Brenton Cox Jr., uh, Jeremiah Moon, these, these guys are going to put, put up some numbers this season and, uh, I'm excited for one to, to see exactly what Brenton Cox is able to do. Cause we haven't been able to see anything out of camp so far. All we have to go by is, is what the coaches are saying. But I do know, like you said, Dan Mullen has just, he's given him all the praise in the world. He's very impressed with what Brenton Cox has done in this off season. Yeah. And I think it's funny. You mentioned Jeremiah moon and that's a, that's, that's a name that's going around. That's not talked about a lot is Jeremiah moon, uh, you know, returning. Yeah, Jeremiah Moon, like I said, he's shown flashes of of him being really, really destructive on that defensive line. So uh, I'm, I'm glad you brought that one up. Jeremiah Moon is one that I'm also interested in that a lot of people may not be talking about. Uh, and then you you have the freshmen. Uh, you, you have the redshirt freshman Andrew Chatfield. You have Gervon Dexter. You know, you got Chris Bogle returning for his, you know, redshirt freshman year. Uh, you got so much talent just behind these people that came from high school. And it'll be interesting to see how they rotate these people out of the defensive line if they keep some of these people uh, on every downs. I'm pretty sure Renton Cox will be a every down defensive lineman. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see if we get these these kids brought in here as well. Uh, extra year of eligibility just means just anything can happen. You know, anything can happen. So there's no there's no limitations on anybody. But uh, speaking of you know. Going away from the defensive line a little bit, we uh, mentioned corners. You know, the return of Marco Wilson and Kyrie Elam. Uh, that, that is a uh, cornerback tandem that a lot of people, a lot of teams in the nation don't want to mess with. Yeah, it's a, that's going to be a solid duo. <clears throat> Excuse me. Marco Wilson, obviously we know what he's capable of. Uh, Kyrie Elam is a young guy, but he comes from great Gator stock, and, and he's shown uh, the ability to – to provide solid coverage and make plays in, in practice based on, you know, what some of the coaches have said. Um, and Marco, you know, I think that, like I said, during the round table, you know, he realizes that he had a little bit of a drop off last season. He, he mm-hmm. said so. Uh, he also is a little bit offended by the fact that he's not included on any of these watch lists that he feels like he should be. And, and, you know, to be honest, he probably should be. So he's going to come out here. I think he's going to play with a chip on his shoulder, and I, I really believe we're going to see a Marco Wilson like we have not yet seen before. Yeah, you took the words out of my mouth. I was going to say he he is going to play on a chip on his shoulder. Uh, I, I like it when certain players on the team are kind of under the weather, not talked about, because that really it really infuriates some of these players to 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 play a lot better and. Uh, you know, uh, the safety position, uh, you know, we, we have, you know, Brad Stewart returning, uh, you got Sean Davis, uh, Donovan Steiner, and you know how, uh, you know, Todd Grantham likes to rotate all of these people out. Uh, I don't think he really puts a, uh, a permanent person out there when it comes to some of these defensive, uh, like linebacker safety, all that. But, uh, you know, got a lot of good returning talent at safety. We know safety has been kind of a position that's been struggling a little bit. And, uh, you know, I've heard even the freshman, uh, Travis Johnson, I've heard Dan Mullen talk about Travis Johnson really well. So, uh, you know, this safety position uh, has to, has to, you know, get a little better here this season. But uh, 
I think with the experience and, uh, you know, another year under their belts, uh, I think this safety position could take a step forward as well. Yeah, and I'm really hoping that it does. We, we've seen a lot of disappointing play. There's been flashes of it. Donovan Steiner, of course, has had some incredible plays, you know, throughout his career. He's also missed quite a few plays. And, and the same goes with really everybody in that room. It's just been so mm-hmm. hot and cold. And what we're looking for this season is consistency. And I think that we're going to actually finally see that. Uh, lots of good reports, like you said, about Travis Johnson. Um, you know, we've heard quite a few good things about Trey Dean playing back there in that role. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is going to be an area where I, I'm looking for a lot of improvement. Yeah, uh, a lot of these kids are going to have to take the next step. Uh, you know, the, like you said, they flashed their their ability. You know, Donovan Steiner with a big hit in the Mississippi State game, and uh, Sean Davis with the one handed interception in the Auburn game. Brad Stewart with uh, interception a couple years back LSU game. Uh, just some of the thoughts that enter my mind when I think about these safeties. But he's uh, going to have to take the next step. And you mentioned Trey Dean, who I actually picked my uh, defensive player. Uh, Trey Dean, he's uh he's bulked up a ton during the the, the offseason and uh you know was saying he played a little arrogant last year and now he's playing more of just concentrating more and uh trying to you know improve it. They said I think we're going to get a better Trey Dean this year. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that uh, he realizes where he can improve his game. Uh, he's starting to listen to the coaches. You know, becoming much more coachable. He's bulked up, but even though he hasn't been able to be in person with, with Nick Savage, uh, and he's not the only one. A lot, of, a lot of these guys have come out, and, and we've seen them. They, they look, they look cut. I mean, they, they are uh, sculpted guys, and, and they've said that you know they basically knew what was expected of them, not only from Dan Mullen, not only from Todd Grantham, but from you know Nick Savage. So they've, in their own time they've continued those workouts that Nick Savage puts them through. And, uh, you know, maybe not some of the true freshmen, they don't know exactly what's, what's what yet, but uh, some of those who have been around the program, like Trey Dean, they've certainly shown the results this off season. Yeah. I, I, I'm actually really excited to see how Trey Dean uh, does this year, uh, especially with the new attitude and the new look, man. Uh, he's, he's, he's looking pretty stacked out there. Uh, one person I didn't mention too, that just came to my mind was Jaden Hill, a, uh, you know, top 200 high school uh, recruit there. Uh, Jaden Hill, he, if he works his way into the offense in some of these games, uh, you know, recruit, we flipped from South Carolina. Uh, how does he work his way into the defense? So, you know, this extra year of eligibility, we might see some of these freshmen that a lot of people aren't talking about, like Jahari Rogers and, and, and things like that, you know, and you know how Todd Grantham likes to rotate people, rotate people. It'd be interesting to see how they use everybody on defense this year. There's just just tons of talent on this defense than there was three years ago. And uh, another yeah, another position we mentioned that probably is just more obvious is, you know, the kicking game. Uh, I don't see Jeremy Crenshaw or Evan McPherson uh, losing their starting job. But, uh, you know, we mentioned special teams a little bit, kicking and punt. And, uh, you know, I, I'm i big on special teams as well. Uh, it's like I said, you know, in those close games, it can make a difference. You get a kickoff return or you get some good field position. Uh, who returns kicks? Uh, I'm thinking maybe Kadarius Toney. Uh, I was maybe thinking Jacob Copeland, but I don't think so now. It's, I think it's going to be some of the freshmen. Uh, and then I was thinking Fenley Graham, but obviously he had fractured his arm. He was going to be out, I think, three to four weeks when he had fractured his arm. So he may be back now. They're probably slowly probably trying to bring him back there on that uh, 
the uh, the offense there and the special teams, and maybe he plays a little bit of defense as well. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens in special teams as well here coming in the upcoming season. Yeah, you know, Kadarius Tony. obviously, uh, it would make sense to see him returning. Uh, I, I could see Iverson Clement or even Malik Davis also filling in on that role. Ooh, yeah. I would love to see Malik Davis back there catching some punts and returning him. Uh, I didn't think about that one. Uh, it, it's, it, there's so many names you could put on special teams right now. So, uh, yeah, it'll be we'll, we'll see in game one when when game one comes around the corner uh, when we play Ole Miss. Uh, it's like I said, we're a ten-and-a-half point favorite that game. I don't see us losing that game unless, it's like I said, I don't see us losing any game unless there's some just crazy turnover action going on. So, uh, Mike, man, uh, 2020 season is shaping up to be a, a better season for Florida, I think. You know, you got the uh, opponents, the big opponents on the schedule, Texas A&M, LSU, Georgia. And, uh, you know, we didn't we didn't mention a lot. Of, uh, what, what, like you said, watch out for Tennessee being the last game of the season as well. Yeah, you know, and that's, that's – uh a thing that they're going to have to be cautious of every week. And I think that the, the staff is aware of that. You know, you, this is the sec. You can't take any opponent for granted. And when you have a 10 game sec schedule, that's going to be amazing for the fans, but man, that's brutal for the players. Uh, however, I, I think it's fun that you, funny that you say, uh, you know, it's shaping up to be a better season for the Gators because, you know, you look at, what Dan Mullen has done since he arrived here, and twenty-one and five, right? And you know, it seems like you know all the the troubles are, are behind us. You know, as far as uh, the must champ and McIlwain eras, but uh, you know that's a good thing. It's kind of funny to say, hey, you know what we you know we we lost two games last season and and won our second consecutive New Year's New Year's Six bowl game. Um, and here we are talking about, oh, this is going to be a better season. And, and that's great. You know, we, the, the bar needs to be raised higher. Uh, as high as it has been, Dan Mullen is expecting more and the fans are expecting more. So I'm looking forward to this season. Um, that said, you know, you mentioned a 10 and a half point favorite over Ole Miss. Uh, what, what's your prediction? Uh, I've kind of got them. Are, are they going to? Are they going to beat the spread? Yeah, I'm thinking, you know, maybe a 14-point game. I think they cover the spread. I think at the beginning it's going to be tough. Uh, it's like I said, there hasn't been that many practices between both teams, so I think that it might be kind of close right at the beginning. But I think Florida towards the end, just with the talent level and with uh, – a lot more talent than Ole Miss probably pulls it away towards the end now. It's like I said, you don't know with, with turnovers and everything else how the game's going to shape up at the beginning or towards the end. But barring that there's no crazy things going on, I, I believe Florida covers that spread. And uh, I, I would say probably a 14-21 to 21 point win over Ole Miss for the first game. Oh, you're, you're going on this blowout status. I like it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, it's going to be, like you said, I think it's going to be a close game through through the early part. And then as the uh, as the game goes on, that's where the, the depth and the talent is going to start to shine through. Yeah, I, I do. I, I think Florida ultimately wins this with the talent. Uh, Ole Miss obviously lost a ton of talent, especially getting, you know, with what happened there with their head coach and everything like that. Uh, lost a lot of talent, but they do have some good quarterback talent. So uh, you, you can't sleep on the quarterback talent there. And Ole Miss, and you can't sleep on any opponent this year, especially the SEC only schedule. Uh, you know, I believe that any team could afford a loss in the regular season and still make it to the playoff. 
I'm not too sure about two losses unless you're you have a schedule like Arkansas <laughs> and you're playing just about every top ten team on the planet. Or no, it's Missouri. I think it's Missouri that's playing about every top ten team on the SEC schedule. So maybe you can afford two losses if you're Missouri, but uh, I don't see them not just losing two games. But you never know. Yeah, I don't think that Florida loses two games this year. Uh, you know, as as I said earlier. I, I went with nine and one as a safe prediction. I, I truly believe that this team can go 10 and 0. I do too. Uh, they, they definitely do have the talent. Uh, you know, they could go 10 and 0. They could go nine and one. Uh, God, you got to beat Georgia this year though. It, you have to beat Georgia this year. And I think Dan Mullen knows that those he circled that game and they're going to be returning a stifling defense. So, uh, you know, troubles at quarterback, but, uh, not missing a step on defense over there at the university of Georgia. So, you know, Mike, uh, we discussed a lot of the, you know, a lot of the games, uh, a lot of the predictions for the games, a lot of predictions for the talent in the, uh, you know, little round table we had going on. And, you know, the 2020 seasons, I think it's shaping up pretty well for it to be a Florida Gator. Yeah, I think uh, this year and, and every year, it's great to be a Gator. That's right, Mike. And uh, so episode eight. Uh, wrapping up episode eight here on the Gridiron Growl podcast with a special roundtable version of the staff at Chomp Talk. And uh, it's like I said, it's always a good time talking with everybody from the Chomp Talk staff. I get the pleasure to uh, do a podcast with Mike every week. And, uh, you know, it's great to uh, talk amongst everybody else in the Chomp Talk staff. Completely agree. Uh, they, they brought a lot of great insights and uh, it's going to be a fun season. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it too, Mike. Uh, you have anything else before we uh, go out, uh, before we exit? Uh, stay safe and uh, go Gators. Go Gators and... We stick together. And keep it together. And folks, that will do it for episode number eight of the Gridiron Growl podcast. I want to thank the great talents from Chop Talk for joining us today for this special edition roundtable version of the Gridiron Growl podcast. So folks, until next week when we face off against Ole Miss, stick together and keep it together.